Good reminder to be still. Amen. Sometimes life gets so busy and chaotic, it's hard to take a moment to be still and know that he's God. If you will, please pray with me. Father, we just want to take a moment of stillness and quietness to acknowledge that you're God, that you're good, that your love endures forever. Father, now we come on behalf of the church. We've come to hear your word, God. So we pray that you would reveal to us something that would encourage us for today and tomorrow, for the journey and for the week. And Lord, we pray your Holy Spirit would just be moving in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We want to welcome everyone to Arden first. If you are visiting with us, be sure to fill that connection card in front of you. We are a place where our mission is to lead ordinary people into extraordinary life in Christ. And we're a place, we like to say, where you can belong, believe, and become. And we believe God has great plans for your life. We're going to take a one-week pause in the book of Luke. The Lord led me to a passage in Acts I wanted to share with you on boldness. Can you remember the last time when you were bold, where you did something that would be considered audacious? When you did something that was a step of faith that you didn't know what the results would come to be? I was reading about one of the great reformers in England. His name is Hugh Latimer. And he had a unique opportunity and a unique challenge. King Henry VIII was coming to hear him preach this Sunday. And he was a little concerned because the message that God had laid on his heart would be one that the king probably would not like. So what was he going to say? Was he going to water down his message or was he going to present the message that God gave to him? So as the story goes, Latimer began began a sermon like this. Latimer, Latimer, do you realize that you're speaking before the high and mighty king Henry VIII? He has the power to command you to go to prison or even if he'd like... He has the power to have your head cut off. Latimer, Latimer, what are you going to do? He paused and continued and said, Latimer, Latimer, do you also remember that you are speaking before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, before him whose throne King Henry VIII will stand, also before whom you will have to give an account? So what shall you do, Latimer, Latimer? Be faithful to your master and declare all of the word of God. So he obviously continued on and preached the word. Now, his story didn't turn out as as happy as we'd like. King Henry didn't do anything, but his daughter Mary, Queen Mary, according to church history, ended up killing him. So he was a bold witness for his faith. You know, like, I don't like that story, Timothy. Well, we need to realize that life is not always promised to be easy. So I want to ask you the question, how bold are you? Are you bold enough to live out your Christian faith? Are you bold enough to share your faith? Or are you like Latimer that you're bold enough to die for your faith? We're all on different levels of boldness. So what I want to do today is I want to give you a message of courage and hope. So on the scale of 1 to 10, if you'd say I'm probably uh, 1 being the lowest, like I'm so laid back you don't even know I'm in the room, 10 being Latimer. Um, If you're a 3, I want to encourage you to be a 4. If you're a 6, I want to encourage you to be a 7. Just take the next step of being bold. Because I really believe that we live in a world where it's going to take Christians to be bold for our faith. I had an interesting experience I was sharing with um, our life for Sunday school class. I was in all places Walmart. And you never know what God's going to speak to you. 
So I, I was heading back from seminary. Thanks for all your prayers. I was in seminary for a week, 32 hours of classroom lecture. Can you imagine that? So hopefully my brain's not fried. But after 32 hours, I was heading back home, decided to take a Walmart trip and um, went to Walmart. And I was noticing the cashiers, all the employees, all the people. And I, I was fired up after being at seminary, you know, it was a whole week on preaching. So I'm like, God, how am I going to reach this world, this Walmart, all these people? You can imagine me being fired up. And I was like, I can't. I don't even live here. How, you know, not going to talk to these people. And in that moment, it's though the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, Timothy, you don't have to reach all these people. You have to minister to the people I've placed in your area. And if every believer, if every Christian will have the same philosophy, those that God's placed in, in my influence, in my circles, and that includes mission trips, that includes all the places God sends you, wherever you're present, to be fully present and to be a bold witness, that's how the world's going to change. And as I was thinking about that, that's much easier than I've got to save the world. There was only one Messiah, and you and I are not Him. But God encourages us to be bold witnesses where we're at. Amen. So if you'll turn to Acts chapter 4, today we're going to talk about how to be a bold witness, even in the face of adversity and conflict. Peter and John, the little background, they had been just told by the religious leaders of their day, hey, stop talking about Jesus. You're putting His blood on our hands, and you're talking about the resurrection. And all through the book of Acts, they're like, we don't want you to talk about Jesus. And Peter and John in this context said, you judge whether it's appropriate, whether we should speak, obey man rather than God. We're going to speak the name of Jesus. So based upon Peter and John and their response to the religious leaders saying, don't speak, we're going to learn three simple tips on how to be more bold for Christ. So how many of you need more boldness? Say amen. Amen. All of us. So if you need a little more boldness, I want to encourage you to take a journey with me as we look at Acts chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 23. It says, And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all the chief priests and elders had said to them. Notice their first response. So when they heard this, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord God, who made the heaven, the earth, and the sea, and all that in them is, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before should be done. Now, Lord, look at their threats. And notice what he prays for. And grant to your servants that all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Now look at verse 31, the response. And when they had prayed, you might want to underline that in your Bible, when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. May God bless his inspired word. So as, as we know, we've been studying the book of Luke. And Acts is the sequel to the book of Luke's. And the book of Luke basically was written to encourage Theophilus. And guess what? Acts was also written to continue to encourage him. But also to document the spread of the gospel. How the early church, the gospel was spread. So today's question I want us to ask and Hopefully with this message we can try to answer in such a hostile world, 
How can you and I have boldness? When so much is against Christianity, when there's so much on the news that's anti-Christian, how can you and I be bold in such a hostile world? Well, there's three steps I want to give to you. The first step is this. You will need a supportive community around you. I love verse 23, if you go back and look. Notice that Peter and John, when they were let go, what did they do? They throw a pity party, right? No. They, they called their lawyers and said, we need to do litigation against these scribes and Pharisees. We need to take them to court because they have no right to tell us what we can and cannot say, right? No. You notice they went to their brothers and sisters. They went to community. And I don't know about you, but in our world, it's so hard to have community. We live in a world that's so disconnected. Yeah, we're very connected with technology and media. Uh, using Walmart as an example, you ever notice when you go to the grocery store, everyone's standing in line and half the people are looking at their mobile devices? Hardly anyone's talking to anyone. And it's like, we live in a world where there's not much community. You ever notice next time you're going out to eat, maybe after church, you'll notice people sitting across from the table with each other and they have their mobile devices. They're not talking to each other. We live in a world that's hungry. For community. And there's many reasons why we don't have it. Some people would say busyness. Some people would say technology. But I, I want you to know the importance of community, that we all need community around us. Has any of you ever been to see the California Redwoods? Raise your hand. A few of you. I haven't been yet, but here's a picture. They're, they're so big, you can drive cars through some of them. And you would think that these California Redwoods, they're, they're so big, they're as old as 200, excuse me, 2,500 years old, they can grow as 300 feet high. Think about that, 300 feet high. So some have said they're the largest, oldest living organisms in the world, these California redwoods. And you would think with such massive trees that they would have a very deep root system. But they found out that's not the case. These, these redwoods actually do not have deep roots. They have shallow roots. So you're like, well, how do they stand up with all the wind and all the stuff going on? Their root systems, the scientists have found, are interlocked with each other. And that's how they stand up. And some scientists have even speculated that root systems can communicate with each other about different things that plants you know, communicate, like nourishment, different things. I'm not into uh, plant science, but it's, it's kind of fascinating. So these big trees stand tall because their roots are interconnected. Do you think there's something we can learn about that as a church? If you want to grow upward with Christ, if you want to grow in your faith, you're going to need a root system that's interconnected with other believers. Peter and John knew that. Jesus had how many guys he hung out with? Twelve guys. So if Jesus needed people that he was connected to, community, if the apostles who were anointed and appointed needed community, why do you and I think that we could do without community? Well, pastor, we are we're more sophisticated than they were. Well, pastor, we're more busy than they were. You think? Or do you think it's just priorities? So I really encourage you, just as application, if you're not in community, in a group that's going to study the Word together and pray together, a small group, you really need it. Because when, when trouble strikes, and it will, who will you turn to? Who are you able to share your problems with? So notice, another thing in this passage, um, it talks about how they told their church community what happened. Now, I don't know about you, but as a minister, as a leader, I sometimes want to hold back what's really happening because I don't want you guys to get discouraged. I think all of us have that tendency. Um, it's like with your kids, do you really want to share everything going on? Sometimes you want to hold back. But in true community, and I'm talking about in a church, 
You have to be authentic and real. I love the fact that they didn't hold back what had happened. They told them they threatened us. They told them all that happened, and they were authentic. So I really believe some, some talking about community, some practical tips for authentic community. All of us long for it. You know, people in the community, the reason why they're not in community, they haven't seen good community sometimes. So I really encourage all of us to help create community that thrives. So all of you are catalytic creators of community. And if you look at your little listening guide, there's a few tips there. Here's some practical tips of why you need community. One thing is God made you and I for community. If you look at Genesis 1 and 2, we're made in the imagio Dei, the image of God. Have you ever thought that God is a, is a relational God? The Father, the Son, and the Spirit are in and of themselves one, but they're three persons in, in one. You have a Holy Father, you have the Holy Son, you have the Holy Spirit. So there you have a community, right? Three in one, one in three, the Trinity, the mystery. But if God made us in His image, and He's had this eternal relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, don't you think we have that need as well? Also, God's mission is too big to be done alone. Just like my Walmart epiphany, where I went to Walmart and I'm like, how am I going to reach these people for Christ? And God's like, you can't alone. It's going to take every believer, everywhere, doing their part. So if you're not in community, it's going to be really difficult for you to fulfill God's mission for your life personally, much less the church corporately. Another thing is you and I have gifts that others need and others have gifts that you have. You ever thought about that? You're not gifted in every area. I hate to break the news to you, and neither am I. Um, You can tell the staff, I'm only gifted in very few areas, and there's a lot of areas I'm I'm not really good at, and I'm completely open and honest about that. But that's where the body of Christ comes together. Where I'm not gifted, you guys are gifted. And where you guys are not gifted, there's others who can fill that spot. So that's the body of Christ coming together, working together. Can I get uh uh-huh? All right, you guys are listening. Another thing is other people have greater perspective than sometimes you and I lack. I love Proverbs 27:17, As iron sharpens iron, one person sharpens a friend. So you and I, sometimes, especially when we're in the midst of conflict, like John was and Peter was, it's easy to lack perspective. So community gives you a perspective that you may lack. If you also look on your listening guide, the last point under that is... You, can fulfill, you can't fulfill the one another's of the Bible alone. I love how I'll see people say, well, I can do church on my own. I can go out fishing, hunting, do church in the boat. Well, how are you going to love one another? I mean, is fishing going to fulfill that command? Um, how are you going to serve one another if you're all alone? There's so many one another's of the Bible that you cannot do apart from community. And that's why Hebrews, the book of Hebrews says, don't forsake assembling together. Because we need to encourage one another, and especially as you see the day of its coming approaching. Number two, not only do we need community if we want to be bold for Christ, but we're also going to need to tap into the power of prayer. The year was 1700, and the country was India. Many of you have heard of William Carey. I came across a story I didn't know. Many of you know that he spent 42 years in India. Um, he was a shoemaker and he had this big map of the world and God led him to, you go to India. So 42 years in India, he translated the Bible into 25 languages. Can you imagine that? I can barely speak English, English sometimes, much less 25 languages. He became known as one of the father of missions. But one of the secrets of his life I never knew, it was his sister. She was bedridden 
crippled in England. Every day, William would often send his sisters letters of what was going on in the ministry in India. And his bedridden sister would pray for him. I never knew that part of the story. So part of his success in ministry was his sister. She couldn't do a lot, but guess what she could do? She could pray. So I love the church's response. When when the church community got together, what was their first response? We mentioned it wasn't litigation. It wasn't, we'll show you. I mean, there's, there's more of us than you, right? We're going we're gonna to gather all these believers getting saved. What was it, 3,000, then 5,000? That's a lot of people. I mean, there was many Christians that could have said, you're not going to tell us what to do. But no, prayer was their first response. It wasn't their last-ditch effort. And I don't know about you, but part of my personality is I'm extrovert and I'm very talkative. That's where my daughter Kara gets it from. Um, so my first response is usually to pick up the phone and you know what happened, you know what so-and-so, you know what happened in my day, um, calling my wife, pouring my heart out, whatever it may be. Um, but they, they didn't do that. They prayed. And as I read that, I was just really convicted that I've got to spend more time praying. Because you can look at it like this. If you're facing a problem down here on the horizontal level, the only way to fix it is not to go horizontal, it's to go vertical. Prayer is the only thing that can change your situation. So if you look at the prayer, I'm just going to break it down in your listening guide. There's a few aspects of their prayer I think that are really encouraging. The first thing is unity. Notice if you go back to verse number 24, it says, When they heard that, they raised their voice with one accord. Isn't it powerful? I don't know how, I mean, did everyone pray out loud? I don't know how how it happened. It's funny, I've been in some country churches where, you guys ever been in a church where everyone prays out loud? Very country, very Appalachia. I don't know if that was it or if they were just unified in spirit, but it says they were one in court and they prayed together. So if you want prayer that's going to produce boldness, there has to be unity. We mentioned this, the, the next aspect is vertical. Notice in the prayer they focus on God first. Look back at verse 24. It says, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why do the nations rage? And he started, you know, praying on. But notice the prayer started with God. You ever notice that sometimes your prayer and my prayer starts with a problem? It starts with God, I'm having a bad day. I got cut off in traffic. My boss is on my case again. And it's, we always start with a problem, but you notice if you start on God, Everything is diminished in comparison. Whenever you magnify the Lord, your problem is minimized. But whenever you magnify your problem, your view of God is minimized. So you need to maximize your focus on God, and that will minimize your problem. The reason why our problem seems so big is our view. It's not how God is, but our view of God is so small, our problem seems so big. So they started magnifying the Lord. The third aspect is Scripture. I love the fact they're quoting Scripture. They alluded here to like Psalm 2 and passages in the Bible. If you read throughout the book of Acts, a lot of times they'll quote Scripture back to God. Do you ever love when people remember something you say and said, well, you said this, this. I mean, it could be a negative thing, but when it's an encouraging thing, I remember when you said this, this, this. And you're like, how did you remember that? People love when you share something encouraging back to them. Do you think God's any different? Whenever you pray, try using the Bible. Try, try quoting some of the scriptures 
that have prayers in them. So they, they focused on God. Next was their problem. Tell God about your problem. God is big enough and strong enough and able to handle your biggest problem. And think about it. A hundred years from now, we will all look back at our problems. And no matter how severe they are now, in comparison to eternity, we'll say they, they were all small. Paul said that the suffering we're experiencing now, when we get to heaven, they're going to be considered light and momentary afflictions compared with the weight of glory. So even if you have lifelong illness, even if you die at a young age, if you're a believer, all of these, in comparison of eternity, God's going to have all eternity to make it up for you. Can I get an uh-huh? And I, I like the, the last aspect of this prayer is promise. Notice in verse 30, I want to read verse 32 again. And this is quite interesting. He asks for boldness in verse 29. In verse 30, he says, by stretching out your hand to heal. Now, didn't the apostles, haven't they already been healing to this point? Didn't God already give them that power? And he says that signs and wonders may be done through the, through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Haven't they been doing that all along? Hasn't God commissioned them to do great things as these apostles? What, one thing that stands out is promise. If God has given you promises in the past, remind God of his promises. That's not so much for God's sake, but for your sake. You need to remind yourself of God's promises. Because God will always keep his word. God is always faithful and true. Another missionary story. Hudson Taylor was sailing to China. And he and the crew became in great danger. Because their boat was drifting into the reefs. You know, the coral reefs that could sink a, a boat. And they, they didn't know what to do. And to make matters worse, on the island adjacent to the reefs were cannibals. So how would you feel if you could look over there and see the fires on the coast and these cannibals were hoping that your boat would crash? I don't, I don't know what I would do. I mean, what would you do? So the, the sailors were all in desperation they saw the reefs that could sink the ship. They saw the cannibals on the coastline. They had the fire already going. And they looked around. They didn't know what to do. And Hudson Taylor said, we've forgotten one thing. And they're like, what? We've done everything we could do. He said, no, there's one thing we forgot. There are four men on this boat who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. How about we all go to our separate cabins, spend some time in prayer, and all of a sudden let's just see what God would do. So Hudson had not prayed but a few minutes, according to the story. And he just felt this bold conviction that God was going to answer his prayer, that he was going to send a wind to move the, the boat that would move the sails. So he went out and he talked to the captain, and the captain said in his gruff accent, that's not going to work. I mean, you're kidding me? There's no wind. God's not going to send wind. He said, lower the sails. God's going to show you. So he lowered the sails. And just within a few minutes, a gust took the boat and they sailed out of the way of the cannibals. So as I read that story, and Taylor responds in his journal later on, and I want to read what he, what he wrote in his journal after this experience. He says, Thus God encouraged me, ere landing on China's shore, to bring every variety of need to him in prayer and to expect that he would honor the name of the Lord Jesus and give the help of each, that each emergency required. So isn't that powerful? He said, I, no matter what you face, no matter what problem, focus on God. Focus on prayer. Because prayer changes things. Amen. So the next time you and I face a problem, whether small or big, 
Don't let prayer be a last-ditch effort, but let it be your first response. Number three, we talked about to have boldness that these apostles prayed for, the early church prayed for. They had community. They focused on prayer. But there's one thing that sometimes, especially us Baptists, leave out or don't focus enough on. You will need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 31. So they had prayed for boldness. And all of a sudden, verse 31, And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Notice it says they were all. And they, it's not just talking about Peter and John, it's talking about all the believers were filled. All the believers spoke the word of God with boldness. So I want to ask you a question. When's the last time you've been shaken up? When's the last time you just had such this sense of God's presence that you were shaken up? The truth is, you'll be shaken up one way or the other. You can be shaken up by the world, and when the world shakes you up, the resulting factor will be fear, insecurity, not knowing what to do. But when God shakes you up, it will give you boldness. It will give you courage. And I love the fact that God still shakes people and places and churches up. When's the last time Arden First was shaken up with passion and boldness that as we left this place, we were just bold witnesses in the community? When's the last time? Can you remember? Maybe you said that today as we leave this place, we will feel the boldness that comes through the power of the Holy Spirit and we will leave this place shaken up. Amen. So they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They all spoke the word of God with boldness. And it goes back to Acts 1.8. You guys can write this on your note, on your, on your listening guide. It says, but you shall receive power. Someone say power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the world. So what was it? When the Holy Spirit fills you, he pushes fear out. When the Holy Spirit fills you, he pushes insecurity out. When the Holy Spirit fills you, he heals the brokenness. When the Holy Spirit fills you, things change and things happen. Psalm 138, verse 3. It says, In the day when I cried out to you, you answered me and made me bold with strength in my soul. Think about that. You answered me and you made me bold with strength in my soul. My prayer for everyone today is that you will leave this place strengthened and you will be bold for Christ. So on your listening guide, I have an acrostic, bold. The B stands for believing with conviction. What is boldness? Boldness is believing something with conviction. The O is obeying with urgency. Notice that Peter and John, the very thing they were asked not to do, which is what? Speak or teach in the name of Jesus. What was resulting? They went out preaching with boldness. So the very thing that they told them you can't do when the Holy Spirit filled them, they did with a renewed sense of urgency and boldness. The L is living with purpose. They had a purpose. And what was the purpose? It goes back to my Walmart thoughts. All of us need to be bold with the people God has placed in our lives. I can't reach the whole world, but I can start to reach my world. You can't reach the whole world, but you can reach your world. It's kind of like we see hungry children. Well, I can't feed the world. Can you feed one child? You may not can change everyone's lives, but you can help impact those within your sphere. And the D is delighting in community. We need community. You were created in the image of God for community. And if you don't have community, 
it's going to be really hard to stay bold and on fire for Christ. Amen. So just to review, today we talked about three helpful steps for being bold. The first one was this. You'll need a supportive community around you. We need each other. Number two, you will need to tap into the power of prayer. Prayer should not be a last-ditch effort, but prayer should be your first response. And finally, you will need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. If you want to be bold for Jesus, you will need to have great community, a great prayer life, and to be greatly filled with the Holy Spirit. So what is your action step today as you apply this? I think one is, if, if we're not in community, take that next step. Ask God to help you either join a community group here at church or start one. You're like, well, there's no groups I connect with. Well, start your own tribe. We have different options, different Bible studies. If you don't have one you connect with, start one. We'll help you with that. Another one is sharing Christ with those in your area. Be encouraged. God has not called you by yourself to change the whole world. But he has called you through the power of the Holy Spirit to change your world. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. How your word is powerful and effective. And God, it makes us bold. It makes us strong in Christ. And Father, I just want to confess to you before my brothers and sisters, sometimes I like boldness. Sometimes I'm not the witness I should be. And Lord, I'm convicted even as I preach this message, I need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. I need boldness in my soul. So Lord, I will have the courage, not just of Peter and John, but the courage of the early church to stand strong even in the face of adversity. So right now with all the believers praying, I want to talk first to the believers. Is there someone that would echo my prayer? Timothy, I need more boldness this year. I need to be able to share my faith. I need to be able to just stand up. I know I can't change the world, but I want to start changing my world. Father, you see those hands lifted to heaven. Give us boldness. Help us, Lord, to focus on community, prayer, and help us, Lord, to have a fresh filling. We pray you fill us again with the Holy Spirit, fresh and new. And while the believers continue to pray, there may be one in our midst, and we welcome you. You're just seeking out the claims of Christ. And all this Christian stuff hasn't made full sense to you. But the good news is you don't have to have it all figured out. All you need to know is that Jesus loves you more than you'll ever know. And he has a great plan for your life. And you enter into that plan by giving your life to Jesus Christ. By making him your Lord and Savior. By asking him to forgive you where you've fallen short. So if you want to enter into this life, we call it being born again. Right where you're sitting, just say a prayer. Jesus I believe that you're God, that you died on that cross for my sin. I believe that you were buried and you rose on the third day to new life. And Jesus, I need new life in my life. So I pray that you would forgive me of all my sins. I pray that you would step out of heaven and into my life. I make you my Lord, my Savior, and my best friend. Friend, if you prayed that prayer, we want to congratulate you and welcome you to the family of God. Father, you see our prayers. We pray that we would walk out of this place with boldness. And today and in the upcoming days, we pray that this place would be shaken for the glory of God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Now God's children said, Amen. If you please stand, we're going to have our closing song. If you want to pray for boldness, I'll be at the front. Adam will be at the front. I'm going to ask Kirby if he'll come to the front. We're going to have a prayer team at the front. Um, and we're going to pray for you. If you need boldness, 
If you have a special need in your life, um, we want to encourage you to come forward. Or if you just want to kneel and pray. As we sing this song, this is your time of prayer. So respond as the Lord leads.